Last Sunday, while you guys were worshiping here, uh, my wife and I were uh, listening to the service on our phone in the car. We were coming back from Michigan, uh, where Saturday we had attended our daughter's father-in-law's funeral, which I'll talk about in a bit. But thankful Pastor Mark could step in and kind of lay the foundation for the Awaken Life series. And in his message, I, I, I said, Mark, share your personal story. Because Mark moved from being a churchgoer to being jolted awake by a question, and as a result, choosing to actively follow Jesus. Mark was spiritually sleeping, sleepwalking, and he woke up and chose to follow Jesus. That was Mark's story. Now today, I want to kind of help us, help you think about your own story. And to do that, we'll start with this question. Can you live the awakened life? Can you move from someone who goes to church to someone who follows Jesus? Can you move from believing things about Jesus to actually knowing him? Can you move from knowing facts about Jesus to actually imitating his life and you yourself going up in worship, in into community, and out of mission like Jesus did? Can you live this spiritually awakened life in which you are actually aware of God's presence and work each day? You go, well, I don't know. Maybe there's some obstacles to that for you. I mean, it probably are for all of us. If there weren't some obstacles, we'd already be living the awakened life. And you'd already have chosen to follow Jesus. You'd already be going up in worship, in a community, out in worship. It's just part of your life. You already know Jesus well. But if you're not there yet, and some of us are not, or if you're like me and you've begun to live the awakened life, but there are times or places in our lives that we're still kind of sleepwalking through what's in the way. During a portion of my childhood, fortunately I grew out of it, but I was a sleepwalker. Not an extreme sleepwalker. I didn't walk the neighborhood streets at night and scare people, but I did walk around the house a bit. My mother told me, of course, I didn't know I was sleepwalking. And sleepwalking itself, strange phenomenon because walking requires your body to be upright and mobile. It requires your eyes to be open and your brain to be functioning so you arrive at the destination you've chosen. But if you throw a state of sleep and with walking... Things get messed up, and you may well wake up someplace that you do not want to be, or you may put yourself in danger and not even be aware of it. Better to sleep first, than once you wake up, do your walking. Sometimes we are spiritually sleepwalking our way through life, because for one reason or another, we have disconnected ourselves from God. Sometimes we disconnect from God because we've just lost hope. In our life story, there's been abuse or addiction or chronic pain or illness or crushed dreams or dashed hopes or too many failures or too many challenges or too much anger, and we just go, it's just easier if I just sleep, walk my way through life. I, don't wanna, I actually don't want to be awake. Sometimes we disconnect from God because we think we don't need him. We met our goals, we're successful, we're financially secure, everything's going well, we feel self-sufficient. Who needs Jesus. And so whether we disconnect from God because of pain or success, we can end up settling for this sleepwalking spiritually through life in which we believe things about Jesus, but we don't know him. We settle for knowing facts about Jesus, but we don't imitate his life. We just spiritually sleepwalk our way through life. And once we're spiritually sleepwalking, it's hard to wake up. It just is. Well, there's a story in the Old Testament prophet, uh, Ezekiel, about the challenges we face in waking up 
and living the awakened life. It's called the Valley of the Dry Bones. It's in Ezekiel chapter 37. Well, here's the setting. Uh, prior to this, King David and all the nation were awakened to God. They're awake to God's presence. They're awake to God's instructions for life. They obeyed them. They're awake to worshiping God. They worship the true God. Things were going well for the king and the whole nation. Then David's son Solomon took over. And interestingly enough, although the kingdom became stronger, richer, and more secure, King Solomon and the people began to disconnect from God. And they started shifting into this spiritual sleepwalking. They shifted from worshiping the only true God to looking around at their other gods or goddesses that other nations had that they might like better. And they began to ignore God's instructions for life. And as a result, their nation began to crumble. And as they moved from living a wife awake to God's presence, things fell apart for them. In 597 B.C., fact of history, the Babylonian army came in and uh, invaded the land of Israel. They captured the capital city of Jerusalem, and they took all the leaders, and they moved them back to Babylon. The nation was defeated. They slept, walked their way into defeat. The people felt defeated. They have had little hope for a good future. People just resign themselves. From now on, whatever happens to us, it's just going to be bleak. And this is where the story of the Valley of the Dry Bones begins. Listen. Ezekiel said, The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. This is not your normal dream where your brain puts together pieces of crazy stuff from TV shows and movies and what happened at work and end up with this ridiculous story and you wake up and go, what was that dream all about? No, Ezekiel, this is a clear vision that God gave him. And it took place in an odd, revolting, gruesome, hopeless place, a valley filled with bones, human bones. Bones are a sign of death. Bones are a sign that life has ended. Bones are a sign that there's no hope. Vision continues. The Lord led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. So Ezekiel doesn't just see this valley of dry bones from afar. The Lord walks him through the whole thing. And Ezekiel's eyes are full of this sight of dry, dead, human bones scattered meaninglessly. And then the Lord asked Ezekiel a question. Son of man, can these bones become living people again? What kind of question is that? Ezekiel's just seen a valley full of dead, dry bones. It's a valley full of de death, a valley that proves there is no hope. Why would you even ask if these bones can become living people again? Everyone knows that dead, dry bones cannot become living people again. Listen to Ezekiel's answer. Ezekiel said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know the answer to that. Now you might be thinking, oh, Ezekiel just didn't want to answer. He said, oh, I don't know, God, you know. But Ezekiel said, oh, sovereign Lord, sovereign Lord, you alone know. 
Ezekiel understood God is sovereign. God's in charge. God can do what we cannot do. God can create life, and he can create life from death. So Ezekiel said, Sovereign Lord, you know the answer. That was Ezekiel's way of sending, saying, God, it seems hopeless to me, but you're the sovereign Lord, so no situation, no person, no family is beyond hope, so you know. Let's say that God's Spirit gives you a tour of the valley of your life. He walks you all around your life that you lived so far. What do you see? Is the valley floor of your life covered with dry bones? There's no hope. Or does the valley floor of your life look pretty good, actually, just kind of a few bones here and there, but mainly hopeful? Or maybe in the valley floor of your life, everything looks really, really good, but there's one pile of bones over there. And those dead, dry bones have been there for a long time. And those dead, dry bones passed a, a pail of hopelessness over the whole valley. I don't know. You may have figured this out by now, but neither you nor I can live the awakened life on our own. It, trying harder doesn't make it happen. Spending more time trying to be energy to be a better person isn't going to make it happen. It's not about reading the right number of books, the best books. The only way you and I can live the awakened life is after the Spirit of God gives us a tour of our life and we see it for what it is. We say, Lord, you are sovereign. You're in charge. I know you can wake me up and give me life. I can't. You can. And the great good news is that in Jesus Christ, God has already actually chosen to do that for us. Listen to how the Apostle Paul writes about this. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. And originally, Paul thought, Jesus, he's just some new popular rabbi. His fame will rise, it will fall, and he will die, and will become a bunch of dried, dead, dusty bones. Well, Paul was right in that Jesus did meet the end of his earthly life in a crucifixion death for the sins of the world. But Paul was wrong, but before, before Jesus' body could become dead, dry bones, God the Father on the third day resurrected Jesus, the Son, in a new resurrection body, because that was the plan of the sovereign Lord to save us. And Paul's thinking, well, if the sovereign Lord does that for Jesus and we belong to Jesus, Paul says this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. So for all of us who belong to Jesus, the door to the awakened life is open. We don't have to live without hope as if our life is just a valley of dry bones. We belong to the sovereign Lord who can resurrect and make living what is dead. We'll find that out as we just work through the story in the weeks ahead. You and I do not have the capability, the ability, or the power to live the awakened life on our own. The sovereign Lord does. And so we come to him and surrender to him that his spirit would give us new life. As I mentioned, last week, we were, on Sunday, we were traveling home from our son, son-in-law's father's funeral. His name was Jerry. And uh, Jerry's quite a guy, college football player, big, tough guy, usually weighed about 300 pounds most of his adult life. Um, loved to hunt. Loved to spend time with his son, Steve. 
Well, when Jerry was newly married, late 20s, early 30s, in medical school, just starting out being a doctor, uh, his wife Jeannie wanted to go to church, so he said, okay, I'll go to church. So he was a church goer. He went to church and then went home. That was about it. He believed things about Jesus. He knew facts about Jesus. He did not know Jesus, and he had not chosen to follow Jesus. But he was curious. And so he wondered if there could be more to this thing than just going to church. And so the church had a retreat, a weekend thing about getting to know Jesus personally. And Jerry took a risk. Big, strong guy said, I'm going to go. And he went, and he met Jesus. He woke up. And the rest of his life, he lived this awakened life. As a doctor with his own practice, he could talk about his faith with his patients, and he did. At the service, uh, we had one of uh, our son-in-law's friends, Chad, sitting a couple of seats over from me, stand up and share how Jerry taught him, as one of Steve's friends in high school, how to be a Christian man, what it looked like. Jerry did that. He was awake. So I thought during the service... At Jerry's memorial service, you know, Jerry's not going to turn into a pile of dry, dusty bones. He's now fully awake in the presence of Jesus Christ. The awakened life. Now, that's thinking about us as individuals. I want us to shift and ask a different question. Are there some signs that we as a church, a whole group, are beginning to live the awakened life? And there are. I just I want to encourage you and myself and just share them. Uh, the first one is men's fire nights. Some in our culture think that men are just a valley of dry bones. As a group, that men are the problem in the culture. These kind of men are bad thinking. Well, Cornerstone, we know men, God created men to be men, and God has good plans for men's lives. So one of the things Pastor Luke does occasionally, get us together for fire nights, we eat good food, there's a fire, and he guides us into conversation with each other around the Bible about life. So here's a picture on the screen of... Uh, a couple Mondays back, I think, we're outside. There was a fire. Went inside because it was kind of cold for a discussion in the shop. And just had a great time of men encouraging each other to be awake to what God's doing in our lives. We have a women's event that Pastor Carlos put together coming up on the 27th with the theme, Begin. You know, some beginnings we, we choose and some we don't, but they just happen. And Renee Olson will be sharing her story of coming out of the Valley of Dry Bones after a distracted driver caused a crash that injured Renee and took the life of her husband, Ron, four years ago. And in situations like that, the question is, can these bones live? And the Sovereign Lord says, yes. And so the Lord, through this event, will invite all women to begin. To begin. Uh, Pastor Mark uh, got us involved in something called Night to Shine. We're sponsoring it in conjunction with Joy Ranch. It's a prom for people with special needs in partnership with the Tim Tebow's Foundation. Because people with special needs are sometimes looked upon as dry bones. They're useless, they're helpless, they're not worth as much as other people. We say, no, they are not dry, useless, worthless bones. They are people to be recognized and celebrated. We woke up because we found out families with kids with special needs are one of the most unreached people groups by churches in the United States of America. So I thought, well, let's do something about that. We'll sponsor Night to Shine. If you want to help with that, uh, you can uh, check in the table around the lobby right as you exit and be a part of that. We woke up. On Saturday, excuse me, on Monday, January 22nd, we'll be hosting a food giveaway by Feeding South Dakota. Now, some people would say, well, 
if they don't have enough money for groceries, something's wrong with them. It's their own fault. They're just a valley of dry bones that we should just desert. But we live an awakened life. And we know there are times where people end up in situations where they need help with food. Jesus said he's the bread of life, and when we give people bread, it's a way of helping them turn their attention toward the one who is the bread of life that they need the most. So Feeding South Dakota is providing all of the food. They will bring in a semi approximately $40,000 worth of food to be given away that day. They pay for that. We provide the volunteers and get to bless people. So if you want to help out with that, you can also sign up at the lobby. Then finally, another sign that we are living the awakened life in Jesus Christ is our Christmas Eve offering. Final totals, about $130,000. That means over $58,000 for giving new life to rural churches in our Upper Midwest Global Church Conference. $58,000 to support an effort to plant 100 new churches in Ukraine in the next five years. And $13,000 we keep here to help people that we know. So an awakened church says we follow Jesus and we're part of God's good work in his broken world. So we actually want to plant churches in war-torn Ukraine where people are in desperate spiritual need and we will help them this year with the new church plants and those church plants will be talking about Jesus for decades to come. Huge impact. And we want to help struggling small rural churches find their mission and thrive. We gave because we're waking up and we want to be a part and follow Jesus into his mission in the world. Now, to help, kind of help us all wake up more during the week, the Awakened Life daily devotions are available. If you get a text from the church currently, you'll get a link today or tomorrow with the devotions for the week. If you, if you don't get texts from us and you want this, you need to text AWAKE to that number, which is also on the program, so you don't have to write it down, and we'll put you on the list. And also, beginning today, Dave Moffat uh, actually began teaching a class on the awakened life over at Edgewood at 9.30. So that might be another tool for you to utilize. I wanted to give you and me a prayer to kind of get this settled in our mind, what we're going to be working on in the Sundays to come. Sovereign Lord, parts of my life feel like a valley of dry bones. I cannot put the pieces back together on my own. I cannot wake myself up from my spiritual sleepwalking. But you can. I surrender to the life-giving power of your Holy Spirit. Wake me up. In Jesus' name, amen. And this is on the program, so if you want to grab a copy on the way out, take it home, just utilize it this week, along with the devotionals, to wake up to what God wants to do. And if you're ready and willing, I invite you to join me in praying it together right now. Pray with me. Sovereign Lord, parts of my life feel like a valley of dry bones. I cannot put the pieces back together on my own. I cannot wake myself up from my spiritual sleepwalking. But you can. I surrender to the life-giving power of your Holy Spirit. Wake me up in Jesus' name. Amen. And that's why we as individuals give financially to the work that God's given us at Cornerstone because we're awake. We're not sleepwalking. We go, God's doing stuff in the world and we would like to be a part of that. And that's that thankful motivation for giving.